For more than 20 years, Marie Hale revolutionized small business marketing and sales in the Chicagoland area and across the US with her no-nonsense sales and marketing approaches and speeches. As her career and agency have evolved into one as an international change maker, her personal story has made her journey something more than just success for herself and her clients. Marie's ability to tell her story of dreams coming true and unimaginable loss gives her the ability to connect to audiences at every level, causing the kind of change that is felt long after the event is over. Her stage presence is filled with joy, connection to the audience and the kind of impact that only comes from true authenticity, providing deep insights and conversations about the power of resilience. As the world keeps changing, we must stop in pivoting and start learning to pirouette into deeper relationships, innovation and better results. Instead of empowering women to keep their jobs during the coronavirus pandemic, new work from home solutions have them leaving the workforce in droves. We will lose decades of progress towards gender parity and our economy will continue to hemorrhage talented workers unless we do something drastically different. In order to make lasting change and avoid a massive backslide in your own organization, it's time to get a clear understanding of what's truly at stake. As a CEO, sales and marketing veteran, a single mom, and now a homeschool headmistress, Marie was deep in the trenches on all fronts of the 2020 recession. While pivoting her own business, she had to navigate the nightmare transition to remote learning with Chicago public schools and watch many of her closest friends panic as they quickly ran out of options to manage it all. So Marie did what she always does when she gets righteously angry. She started another business. Let's hear from Marie now, some of the backstory to that. Marie, thank you for joining us this morning. It's lovely to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, this uh, righteous anger of yours. I'm not so sure it's righteous, but it is definitely a fire in the belly. Um, <laughs> I, when I was under that amount of stress and then saw what was happening with the feminine recession and then the diversity recession and the degree recession and all of these incredible people being told that they they didn't have a voice when they had been told for all those years that they did once they needed to use it it didn't matter mm. and that was just not okay with me and i really in my in my soul feel that if not me then who and if not now then when and if i'm struggling somebody else out there is going through the same thing and if i can fix it if I can even be of resource, then I've not only just survived what I've gone through, but I've found a way to make it of, of service to others. And for me, that is, that is exactly where I want to be playing. Cool. So tell us about it. What is, what is it that you've done? So I created a nonprofit that provides people with money, and choices because that gives them power and people just deserve to have power so we work with those that have been displaced by the recession or that are looking for a better life work balance and we provide them social mental and emotional support upskilling reskilling and scholarships for professional certifications which increases diversity mm -hmm. and then help them find work that works for them 
So if they want to work five or 40 hours when it works for them and stack it around their schedule, great. If they want to open their own business, they'll have been working with us and learning those tools and we help them launch their business. And if they want to go back to a a nine to five office, we've got incredible clients that they've been working with. And so when they're ready to hire, it's easier onboarding and less turnover. And we get to support them with things like our, our experts in homeschooling and unschooling or identity crisis, because a lot of people lost their identity. And we knew that after being in a in survival mode for so long, people are simply exhausted. Their mm-hmm. executive function is blown and they're in limbic fatigue. And we knew that we needed to be able to support them through the entire journey. And it's been an absolutely incredible and raucous experience. We have got some rowdy ladies that are in that, <laughs> that, that are revolutionaries. And that's that's how we like it. That's amazing. Well, that must you know must be incredibly rewarding to see all of that come to fruition and to know that you have impacted somebody's life like that. That's incredible. So tell us, backing up a little bit, a little bit about who Marie Hale is, where where we come from, what's the backstory? How did we get to where we are today? Oh my! So I grew up from six to seventeen in Las Vegas. And our family had a had a rough a rough ride of it. My parents divorced when I was about twelve, and I started working, and I never stopped because I knew that if I showed up and showed up all the way and put my my effort in, that I could change our circumstance. And there there were times when we were homeless. There were times where we were couch surfing church friends houses but being able to impact our lives like that made me feel powerful Mm -hmm. and in las vegas i had started belly dancing professionally when i was 15 because you look at all of my beautiful tan think belly dancer right Uh, (laughs) then i moved to chicago at 17 with about 200 bucks in a car because I I knew Las Vegas was not a good place for humans. And I started trying to explain unionization to the belly dancers out here so that we could get fair rates and that kind of thing. And this was not my most effective conversation <laughs> by far. So as I'm going through the frustration of just having a lucrative career in dance to like 350 for 15 minutes to about $75. I was like, forget it. I'll do it myself. And so my first company was Shimmy Shock Entertainment. And I loved it because it was family parties and it was celebration and just moments of joy. And Mm -hmm. as I continued to progress in my professional career, I think it probably took me all of a year of being a a business owner. And at that point I'd opened my medical spa and I knew that I I wanted to to make more of an impact. And so I started speaking 
and became the executive director of a very large women's networking organization that I was able to grow from 12 to 350 members in the Chicagoland area. Wow. And I realized when I was older, as one often does, that I was 26 and I was leading 35, 45, 50 year old business women. And I probably had no business being on that stage. <laughs> But I was able to make impact and, and I was able to, to go out and do the research and be wildly curious and passionate about the people I was serving. And that really is where I started my love of speaking. There was a great moment when I was listening to Zig Ziglar speak at an event. And this was after he had a stroke. And he, he started to repeat himself. And his daughter was there on stage with him. And she very gently grabbed his arm and said, you know, dad, you said that already, but I'd like the audience to know that dad says stuff twice, but sometimes it's because there's one person in the audience that needs to hear it that way in that moment. Hmm. And that really hit my heart. I would love to say that there's tons of new information and new theories in the world, but at some point, it's the message and the love that shows up in that room and the energy that connects with the audience that brings them into a space of vulnerability and joy and inspiration and connectedness that really makes the impact. Mm -hmm. And that I simply relish. Cool. Cool. Okay. So that's, so now that's, you've taken about three of my first questions. <laughs> so that's awesome. Thank you for that. So, I mean, so we know already that you grew up in Las Vegas. I'd love to know why Chicago? Cute boy. Ah, uh, okay. Say no more. <laughs> it, it, it got me out of Chicago or it got me out of Las Vegas and it brought me to Chicago, which is one of the most incredible places in the world and Chicago has been my boyfriend ever since <laughs> um cool so Chicago belly dancing networking speaking you may um in the in the introduction it says that you you talk about dreams coming true what what dreams were those so when I was running eWomen Network and becoming a business owner in its full sense, one of the first things that I realized is that I was going to need to know how to sell. And I was introduced to a sales coach. And the minute I walked into that Panera, I knew exactly who he was. And then I looked down and saw his shiny, newly placed ring. Mm. And my heart went, oh. And over the course of about 10 years, we would trade business back and forth because at that point I'd opened my marketing agency and he was a sales coach. So inevitably he would have folks that needed better leads and I would have folks that couldn't close to save their lives. So after 10 years of friendship, life shifted and he 
got divorced, not because of me. It's not a part of that. Um, but we happened to be hired by the same company independently to move to Texas and to open a, um, a office for this nonprofit consulting firm. And it's like the entire universe moved to put us together. Mm. Spent about two years in Austin and both missed Chicago desperately. So we decided that this was not the place that we wanted to be. And we moved back to Chicago and we put our businesses together and opened a little family business. And there was this absolute joy of walking my daughter Lily to daycare in the morning and we'd all be holding hands and then we'd hop on the brown line and go to our single person office in the city and we could not have been happier. We spent 24 hours a day together and it was, it was perfect. And then seven months after we opened, he just didn't pick Lily up from daycare one day. And we came home to find him gone. Oh, Mary. And it changed everything. But it didn't, it didn't change our mission. And that is to teach others about professional love and how to sell from a place of authenticity and wild curiosity and care and to make this world better through being really good business owners and coaches and leaders. And so I had about three weeks to figure out what on earth I was going to do. And then I got up and put my lipstick on and just started walking. And I will, I will say having to grieve on brand was terrifying. Mm. Mm. But I had all of these incredible people that were around us, loving us and helping me to stand. And so after having the dream and having it all taken away, I was able to come back to myself. I can't even begin to imagine the pain that that must have been. You know, um, Duncan and I, met 10 years ago in vastly different circumstances but much like you we spend 24 hours a day of our lives together we work in the same office we live breathe drink eat everything you know who we are and what we do for a living um i can't bear to think about that being ripped out from underneath me i'm so very sorry for your loss that's it's, it's there are no words that can make it better. Um, but you picked yourself up. You put one foot in front of the other. Um, there's a pink song that uh, she talks about, Walk Me Home. And um, it's incredibly powerful. And um, I used, my mom lived with us um, for the last 12 years of her life. And she died three years ago. And Duncan was the one who walked me home. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you had people that were surrounding you and were able to help you 
get home. Um, after that, I mean, obviously picking yourself up must have been the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life. Um, what happened from there? So I was, I've been incredibly blessed with some soul sisters in my life. And my dearest friend, Laura, who was, we became friends because she was making dirty comments in the back of my belly dancing class, <laughs> was absolute joy on wheels. And she came to be our office manager and was lived with me three days a week to help me care for Lily and was just absolutely the person that could put me back together when I needed to crumble. And unfortunately, she passed about 16 months after Jim passed. Oh, yeah. Both of them under 50, no notice. And so we're going through losing our entire chosen family. And then the pandemic hits. And now we're two women, well, mom, mom and a girl, stuck in an apartment. I'm a CEO and trying to run all of that and then trying to take care of Lily and get her through the day. And I realized that I was about to snap. I was, I was literally, this was more stressful than going through what we had gone through. And then I saw the feminine recession and I lost it. I know that I was like babbling for two days because what I saw was this vision of the nonprofit that we could create to help reverse those impacts. So today I am the founder and president of Forward Revolution. And I am the co, I still call myself a co-founder, but the co-founder and CEO of At Revenue. And we are able to do something that I find truly incredible. We're able to help those small to mid-sized businesses increase their revenue and their profits through solid sales and marketing strategies and, and training. And when you build those businesses, those are the businesses that create the fabric of a neighborhood and a community. Mm. And those dollars stay in that community and it creates a stronger fabric of our society. Mm. And so we get to work with the most incredible clients and lift them up and show them the way. And then we get to work with another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, as I said, I can't imagine how, well, I can't imagine how rewarding that is because that's, that's actually kind of how I feel about my job. So we, I'm always telling people that I don't have a job, I have an adventure. You know, uh, Duncan was on his own path, his own mission, and I sucked him into the dark side in 2017. And, you know, that's, that's just been our life ever since then. Um, it is, it is my purpose to put people like you on stages for people to hear those messages. So I, that your, your sense of purpose really resonates with me. That's wonderful. Um, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? I have recently picked up roller skating. Wow. 
rolled things <laughs> the whole nine. It started off as um, part of my mission I, for the Trevor Project. I was doing 51 miles and I, I've had a couple of back surgeries. It's, it's been joyous, but it gives you some limitations. So I was like, well, I, I can't run because I can't pound on the, the pavement and I'm not going to get on a bike. Roller skates. So here's me skating up and down my block in a straight line. I got 20 miles in that way wow. until somebody took me to the side and said, roller rink. <laughs> <laughs> I did get to meet a lot of neighbors, though. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and I think you probably met more people on your, in, your, in your block than you did in the roller rink, right? Because, you know. <laughs> exactly. You don't want the roller rink. <laughs> no, 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 no. It seems to be making a comeback. A neighbor of mine the other day was uh, out in our cul-de-sac, uh, and she's in her 50s with her sister, and they dressed up in matching outfits, and they were doing TikTok videos on their roller skates, right? <laughs> I love it. Of course, my daughter is unamused that there are 50 plus year olds taking over TikTok. I mean, we are we are not amused by this. This is what are you people doing here? Okay. She's just going to have to survive it. I don't know what else to say. I it's know. hard. I know. I know. She's quite, quite disgusted with that. So like speaking about TikTok and social media and stuff, um, do you have a preferred platform? that you work with, like professionally and then personally, or do you, do they all run together for you? No, um, so we're a marketing agency. Mm. We're on all of the platforms, right? right. Um, but what I've found is where I connect best with people because I'm, I'm a middle-aged woman is on Facebook mm. and When I start with TikTok, I just end up watching Dancing Cowboys. It's just what happens. You mean the shirtless Dancing Cowboys? I've seen them. Yes, I feel you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, TikTok is definitely just not not conducive and productive at all. But their their the, the animal videos are also too cute for color TV, right? They are amazing. So Jordi and I send each other things. Duncan and I send each other cooking things. So yeah, what can I say? <laughs> um, alrighty. Do you have any hidden talents? Speaking about roller skating. Well, I can belly dance with a sword on my head. Wow. Like, like a sword like this or a sword like this? Um, it's balanced to the side on the blade. Okay. Wow. Okay. And that's not it's a TikTok video TikTok. that we should know about? <laughs> oh, I haven't put on the belly dance and duds in a couple of years. <laughs> I dare you. Let's do let's do a TikTok for me with the with the, the belly dancing duds and this the sword on the side going. And you could go viral. I mean, you could retire, right? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to get that uh, get that sword on the on the roller rink floor. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can balance it there too. My word, what a thought. Do you have a biggest pet peeve? Is it like something that totally irks you more than anything else? When someone emails you and tells them to call, asks you to call them instead ah. of just picking up the phone. Picking up the phone. 
Okay. It's, it's amazing how people have lost the art of voice-on-voice -voice contact. Right. Uh, yes, I get that. And so w with us moving to America, it, it's it's so much more an American thing that you're going to em and say, may I call you at this point? You know, in South Africa, we still pick up the phone. Like, you know, if you're not going to answer the phone, you're not going to answer the phone. Um, right. But it seems to be a very North American thing to to email to ask permission to phone, which is it's been a, an interesting learning curve. <laughs> so I, I will say that permission to call and setting up a time, I'm all for. I live by my calendar. Mm. But just the email that says call me and oh. nothing else. <laughs> that, really? That's the one that gets my blood boiling. So we had a guy in South Africa who made millions. And I don't think that you guys ever had it here, where he would be you, through one of the um, cell phone companies, you could send a message to the other person to say, and it was called, please call me. So it would be a free message so that the other person would know that they needed to speak to you, but they don't have the money to speak to you. So please call them so they can speak to you. That's now amazing. that used to drive me completely bonkers okay <laughs> really why must i call you when you want to speak to me okay <laughs> crazy yeah. and i'm thinking of it as you know maybe your kids are are stuck somewhere and and they sure. need a phone call or they need to get in touch with you and you know i think Which of I 20 deep pockets <laughs> Totally, which I think is why it was designed. It, that was like probably the reason, but it became completely abused. And I'm I'm going to say this by by m m in my lived experience, many South African speakers who wanted us to represent them, but didn't have the money to phone me, so I would have to phone them in order for us to represent them as motivational speakers, so that. Mm, that it did. It irked me. <laughs> so, anyway. I get to milk. Hmm. <laughs> Not today. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is the if you could? All right. So I I'm guessing I kind of know the answer of two of these people, but if you could invite any three people to dinner, who would they be? Of course, I would bring my loved ones. Of course. But I think the, the third person, at least right now, I want to see how RBG is doing. Really? Bruce Bader Ginsburg. Okay. I kind of like oh. to share. She was such an epic figure and she was so soft spoken that the world listened. Mm. And she was able to really influence people, not by the the boom of her voice or overt actions, but simply by how she lived and communicated and mm -hmm. the values that she had. And I'd really like to tell her what the hell happened after she left. <laughs> you don't think maybe she knows. <laughs> so along similar lines to that, um, and interestingly, most of the men that I've asked this question to have been very well trained by their wives to say they don't have this and they only think about their wives. But do you have a celebrity crush? 
Oh, boy. You know, I had a moment with my celebrity crush this year because really? for a long time it had been Will Smith. And then ah. things got weird. Yes, very weird. And so I, 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 I've always admired how he, how he seems to balance things and how he respects his family. Mm-hmm. And if, if you look back at some of his past interviews, the way that he talks about his wife and the way that he talks about his children and the society that they're creating was always just incredible to me. Mm. And, you know, he's tall. So I was hoping with my five feet and his six, four, maybe we could even things out for the next generation. Sure. (laughs) And then things got weird. That's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. Back to work a little bit. Um, Why do you think that you've been so inordinately successful with your marketing company, where so many others have come and gone and failed? Would you put that down to one specific thing or many things? I I, I can't bring it down to one specific thing, but... One of the one of the things that was incredibly important, especially as as Jim and I were putting our businesses together, is that we had processes and metrics. Mm-hmm. KPIs are my love language. If you want to talk about key performance indicators, I I will help you find a metric for how often you want your spouse to kiss you. <laughs> know that you're there but really loving drilling down into the actual results of what you do and the impacts that it has and being finding it thrilling to see how those numbers move so that you can strategize and innovate as you need to in especially this market that has always been just a a joyous experience for me. You had mentioned that, you know, you don't work, you you have an adventure. Mm -hmm. I have always had a tremendous drive to work, but this is absolutely an expression of joy and of professional love. And if I can, if I can get other people to fall in love with KPIs, like I love KPIs, (laughs) we can change this world. How's that going? I mean, that must be quite a, when you, when you say those three letters in one sentence together, I can't imagine that there are too many people that, that escape at velocity out of their chairs trying to, you know, agree with you on that one. I mean, most people are quite full of dread about KPIs. How's that going? So we work with a lot of, a lot of companies that are like, great. What are we going to do about it? Mm. And it's the what are we going to do about it that is the is the expression of creativity and understanding this business. And so, I probably am still the only one that loves KPIs. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> being able to, to take even the revolutionaries that are, are adding to their professional skill set and show them how those numbers filter down so that if they want to open their own company, they can know what success looks like and when things are starting to shift. Knowledge is power. And mm-hmm. so often we see founders and owners that they have been the entire face of their company. They are the one that has the sales magic and none of it is transferable. When you really start to break things down and look at the numbers, you begin to create scale because you see what actions created results so that you can automate, delegate, or duplicate. You begin to drill down into what truly banners as opposed to like the vanity metrics. That's great that you had a million views on your TikTok. How's the cash flow? (laughs) (laughs) And what does success really look like? I think so often in our lives, we are busy striving, striving, striving for something that we haven't even really articulated to ourselves. And what happens is you may get there, but because you didn't identify what it was you truly wanted, you slide back out Mm. and you never get to experience the the joyousness of obtaining a goal, creating success. And this is a practice that I've done since my early 20s. I, I got lucky enough to go to a Franklin Covey conference and I'm a planner. And one of the most humbling things was the year that Jim passed in December, I went and I looked back at my goals and what we had set up for the business. And even with walking through that fog, I had accomplished every one of our goals at the timeline that we had anticipated. And that's because those plans were in place, right? So there's, there's, um, it doesn't matter what's kind of going on. Um, you've got, so I don't, I don't even know if this is only a South African expression, but you've got like rat's nests in your head. You can't think straight. Um, at least you just follow the plan. You follow the checklist kind of thing. So you, you take your heart out of it and you just do what you've got to do, right? Well, I, 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 I can't even say that it was that because there were definitely times when I was so disconnected that I I couldn't really plan. But because I had been in this practice for so long, I trained my subconscious mind to work on things kind of without my effort. Mm -hmm. And so I might, I might get in there quarterly and check in, but it Mm -hmm. really, it was really the, the years of repetition and that loving the little steps and the little wins that kind of give you the inertia and give you that good serotonin and dopamine mm-hmm. rush that you mm-hmm. get addicted to. And you're literally training yourself to be working on things without as much effort. And things get easier and easier and easier because your subconscious mind is engaged. It says, oh, I know where I'm going. And you start to get more creative. You start to get more connected with not only your your end destination, but all of the people that that impacts. Mm-hmm. And there's a magic in that. Sure, sure. 
So speaking of magic, if you had a magical time machine and you could go back, you've said that your most ineffective conversation was trying to unionize the belly dancers. Um, but if you, if you could go back to your younger self, what would be the one piece of advice that you, or not even advice, maybe just the one thought that you would share with your younger self? Was there anything that you would, that you would change? There's nothing I would change. But if I, were, if I were to go back to my younger self, I would say, be particular. Hmm. That sounds like that's a whole conversation that inc might include some red wine. Be particular. <laughs> I've not, not heard that one before. That's okay. Hmm. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> Do you have a favorite quote that you, that you live by that is on your fridge that means a lot to you? And I'm, I'm not sure who this quote is from, but they said, expecting life to be fair just because you're a good person is like expecting a bull not to charge you because you're a vegetarian. No way. I've just got goosebumps. You're the first person who's ever given that quote back to me, and I had it on my fridge for 15 really? years. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> How bizarre is that? <laughs> it's in my Facebook profile. <laughs> And for clarity, you and I are not yet Facebook friends, so I couldn't have seen that. That's incredible. I, I, I often quote that, like, just, just you know, awesome. doesn't matter that you're a nice person, the bull doesn't care. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Jeepers, that's quite, uh, quite something. Okay, last question. And this is a very, very serious question. I need you to put your thinking cap on and answer me very honestly here. If you were a crayon, what color would you be? Fuchsia. Really? I'd be fuchsia. It's not, it's not like pink. It's not soft. But it certainly gets attention. <laughs> and I think that's a great place to end it, Marie. Thank you so much for your time. This has been a delight to speak with you this morning. I'm, I'm very grateful. I've learned a lot about you. I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get you a lot of bookings on the back of this, of people being able to see you and feel you, which I think we've accomplished through this. So thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for all of the love and joy that you bring to oh, this role. You're welcome. Welcome.